This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. The following is a sponsored program. Zoomer Radio and MZ Media Incorporated do not endorse any of the statements or opinions made by the contributors. we crave sugar and salt, it's because our body is trying to balance out and figure out our stress response so that we actually have energy to deal with whatever the stressful situation is. Now that we know that we can expect these cravings, we have to make sure we put better sources of nutrients in front of us. Welcome to The Tonic. I'm your host, Jamie Bussin, and we're here to talk about your health and wellness. On today's show, we'll learn about the natural treatment of joint pain and inflammation. We'll discuss fall food swaps for more energy. We'll also answer burning questions about Burning Man. And lastly, we'll find out about the hottest restaurant trends. But first, a little bit of business. Today's show is brought to you by Omega Alpha. Omega Alpha is 100% Canadian owned and has been GMP certified for manufacturing to pharmaceutical standards since its inception in 1992. It uses only all-natural herbs, vitamins, and minerals in their formulations. The company is site-licensed for manufacturing nutraceuticals by the Natural Health Products Directorate, a division of Health Canada. They have four company divisions, both a consumer line and professional line of human products, equine pet health products, and a custom manufacturing private label division. Omega Alpha uses only the highest quality ingredients to manufacture the most efficacious yet price-friendly nutraceuticals. For more information about Omega Alpha, Visit their website at OmegaAlphaInc.com. Omega Alpha's products are created by their scientific team headed by their owner, operator, and CEO, Dr. Gordon Chang. Dr. Chang holds a PhD in physiology and biomedical engineering from the University of Toronto. He also has two years postdoctoral experience in clinical biochemistry, looking at free radicals and antioxidants. He's published over 20 peer-reviewed articles and conference proceedings. Gordon, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me again, Jamie. You need to help me. Recently, I went for a run uh, when I already was experiencing some pain in my knees, and I really mucked things up, and I've got some inflammation in my meniscus that's been going on for weeks and weeks. So we need to talk about inflammation today, okay? All right. That sounds like a good topic. Okay. So what, what is inflammation? And, and in particular, what's the difference between acute inflammation, which is the kind that I just suffered from, and chronic? Now, that's a very good question. But let, let's start off a little bit about the differentiation, because I like to talk about there's the acute inflammation, and yeah. then there's a subclinical inflammation and chronic inflammation. Oh, there's three. Oh. Okay. I didn't even uh, know that. I, yeah, no, no, no. Let me explain a little bit what I mean by that. In a case like you, you bugger up your knee, yep. or you, or you whack your knee, or you whack your, sh- your shin bone, or, or you elbowed, you whack yourself on on the, the limb or something. Like that. What happens? You get swelling. Yep. Okay. Or what what really happens is the, the from a physiological point of view, the the tissue gets damaged. Whenever the tissue is damaged, it releases a whole bunch of signals, chemical signals. Right. Okay. The, you have to remember your cells are a little chemical packet, right? And when they get broken out, what happens is that it, these chemicals that are in, in the sense of signals to say, hey, we're damaged, or hey, we're, we're, leaking, we're leaking fluid, right? In the case of damaged blood cells. Now, but then what happens then is white blood cells then respond to that signal, come in, and they, when they come in, 
one of the first things that they do is they, they start to chew up uh, they, they, start, they want to stop the swelling, pro- to stop the, the leakage of fluid process or any of these other things. And what it does, it releases more chemicals. And as it releases more chemicals, more, more white cells will come in and other different types of, of cells come in. Right? Mm-hmm. So it's a cascade. So what happens is as it releases more, more chemicals, the chemicals then send a signal and more cells come in. So it's pretty well what happens is that you start getting swelling right now the swelling is not bec- is because what happened is the the white blood cells and the platelets etc plug up the, the the blood vessels so you, you can have fluid coming in but it, there's less drainage going out and because you have less drainage you have swelling right now that's your typical sign of of inflammation right that's an acute inflammation right but you have other types of inflammation you can have inflammation because you you have a cold for example the bacteria there is attacking the the tissue and in this case it could be the, respir- the tissue in the respiratory tract you could have a bacterial inflammation a bacterial infection from uh or even a, a viral infection right uh then what happens again the white blood cells come in you you probably won't see the sequelae of it, meaning that you won't see the swollen limbs, etc. But what you will see is is that you can spike a fever, etc. Right, I, there's heat, are, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all those things are processes of inflammation, of sequelae of inflammation. Now, in the acute case, if it controls the the swelling, right, it, let's say you stop the bleeding, etc., right, given time, it will resolve itself, meaning that the, 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 the blood vessels start to get patent, patent again, so it allows fluid to go through. Um, whatever is plugging up the blood vessels get broken down, it gets taken away, etc. So that resolves itself, right? But in their cases, what I call chronic and sometimes acute, su- sorry, subclinical inflammation is that it's happening all the time, but you can't, you don't see the, se- the consequences. And an example of this is cholesterol formation. Sorry, not cholesterol formation, but the plugging up of your blood vessels. Right. There's okay. a theory that when your blood vessels get plugged up, right, and everybody wants to blame cholesterol, but cholesterol is really not the initiator. Something has to initiate the damage. And there's a theory right now that, well, not right now, it's been around for a while, is that the blood vessel itself gets damaged. And as the blood vessel gets damage, what happens is that there's inflammation going on. And this inflammation is subclinical and it's chronic. So then what happens is that as your little cholesterol is come floating by, right, it starts to deposit on the damaged tissue. Ah, and there's and a build-up. And, and then it builds up. So that's why people are worried about their cholesterol levels because they think once your cholesterol levels get too high, you have so much cholesterol floating around in your blood that it'll it'll build up and plug up your blood vessels, all right? So even though people will say that cholesterol itself, nobody dies from cholesterol itself, and they die because of sequelae of, of high cholesterol, of the plug, of plugging up of the blood vessels. So that's another way of, where inflammation is important. There's even some theories now that things like Alzheimer's, right? The initiation, again, is, is caused by, by inflammation. There's a damage or subclinical damage in the brain somewhere, and that causes, causes things like some of the fibrils to, to start plugging up the brain cells. Okay? Hmm. There's, 
things like um, or is it diabetes now has is also been considered as an inflammatory type disease. So this is why inflammation is very important as a topic. Okay? Right now, the thing with inflammation, inflammation is a double-edged sword. You need some inflammation because inflammation is how the body remodels itself. For example, when you go running down the street and you pull a muscle and you tear the muscle, yep. well. What happens, the, infl- the inflammatory response comes in and it clears up some of that dead tissue, rebuilds, causes it to be rebuilt, right? And so it makes it stronger, right? So this is where the inflammatory response is, is good. The inflammatory response is also good because when, you, when you're attacked by viruses, like the cold virus, the flu virus, etc., your first line of defense is inflammation, okay? The white blood cells come in. They, they, they chew up all, all the, the bacteria, they chew up the, the, viral, the viral infected cells. Yes. So it is important. So, but if it goes amok and it runs, it's subclinical, you don't see where it's happening, this is where it can cause problems itself. Now, one of the things that, that we should be used as a diet control way of helping fight off some of the effects of inflammation the, the key here is you don't want to get rid of all inflammation. You just want to keep it in check to, right. keep, it, to keep the levels low. And the best way of doing that is to, from a diet point of view, eat more fruits and vegetables. Now, I know people say eat more fruits and vegetables, but nobody ever tells you why eat more fruits and vegetables. So why? Tell you, us why. The re- yeah, the reason you're eating more fruits and vegetables, fruits and vegetables are loaded with antioxidants. Okay. Okay. And the antioxidants that you have in there, you know, like your pigments, like your, your yellow colors, for example, right? All of those antioxidants in there, what they do actually is that they help fight off the free radicals. Let, let me explain why free radicals. I, I know I talk about free radicals a lot of the time. No, but they're important. But Go ahead. They're important because white blood cells, one of the ways that they, they kill off viruses, bacteria, etc., is by by generating free radicals, right? So it comes to, an, let's say the white blood cell comes and finds an infected, um, uh, say it finds a bacteria in, your, in, in the blood. It basically jumps on it, right? Releases, releases these free radicals. Free radicals then attack the bacteria, right? That's one of the effects of white blood cells, okay? I'm not saying every, all the effects of white blood cells is free radicals. But what that does is as the free radicals get released, it attracts more white blood cells. Right, and because it attracts more white blood cells, you can see how how the positive cascade can happen. Right, right. you bring and as the white blood cells come into the vicinity, the first thing they do is dump out all the free radicals. So you got to control some of that free radical dumping because, as I say, two packets of free radicals are good, twenty packets are bad. Hmm. And what's been what's happening is that the in some of these cases of too much inflammation. Or, sub, or, or sub, chronic subclinical inflammation is that you're having too much free radicals floating around, right? So what you try to do is to control it. And the only way to control that, or the best way, is fruits and vegetables. Now, after having said that, a lot of us don't eat fruits and vegetables, or we don't get enough. Enough, right? is, yeah. The key is not getting enough, because sometimes people take one apple and say, oh, we're doing good. But you know what? <laughs> your body probably needs more than that. So the, your next best thing is to take a supplement that's high in, in antioxidants. Okay. And the, the key about antioxidants, I said, where antioxidants 
uh, effective, it has to be the right place at the right time. Okay? Okay. And uh, I can't stress this as much because everybody would say, well, vitamin C is is an antioxidant. Vitamin E is an antioxidant. So all I need to do is to take vitamin C. I don't need to take any other antioxidant. Well, one of the things that people don't realize about some of these antioxidants is that not every single antioxidant will stop every single free radical. So what you try to do, you've got to take a wide range of them. Right. Another thing, that too, with, with these antioxidants is that for them to be effective, they have to be at the right place at the right time. So do you, so take, them, you take them preventively or do you take them when you're, when you're suffering? Like, how, how do you know when to take the antioxidants? I would take them preventively, right, because it, you, you need to have enough antioxidants floating around in the body so that it'll help stop some of the stave off the free radicals. Now, I know people are saying, oh, if I take too much antioxidants, right, I'll never have, I'll never have uh, an inflammatory um, response. That is so false because there's many different ways of getting white blood cells to, to, to come to a scene and, and break out because free radicals is just one of the ways. Right. Okay? Mm-hmm. And so people are saying, oh, if I take all these antioxidants, I'll never get an uh, inflammation. So what happens if I need an inflammation response to um, rebuild or something like that? That will always happen to you. Free radical, your antioxidants, the best they're going to do is to help control the how great the response is going to be. And sometimes you can, you can be loaded up with antioxidants, right? But if, this, if you have a significant amount of damage, right, it will overwhelm the anti, antioxidants. As an example, let's say I, I, I loaded up with um, antioxidants and then I get um, uh, the Ebola virus, for example. Well, hopefully not, right? but yes, okay. Well, you know what I mean? The first line of defense will also be an, an inflammatory response with white blood cells. Right, mm-hmm. but the level of attack is going to be so great that the, you will not have enough antioxidants in your body to to overwhelm the inflammatory response. But what it will try to do is it'll try to help initiate, it'll help control the the inflammatory response to the point where you can actually recover. And that's what we're hoping to do with some of these things. Okay. So right. we, we only have a few minutes left, but I know in addition to antioxidants, there are some herbal remedies that help with inflammation, right? Yeah. Well, for inflammation, the, the current darling is, is something called curcumin. Right. right? Mm-hmm. Now, curcumin is an extract from, uh, from a herb called turmeric. Yes. Right? Now, again, a lot of these antioxidants, um, turmeric works because it actually... It inhibits a receptor called a COX-2 inhibit. It's a COX-2 receptor, which is one of the things that stimulates a, an inflammatory response also, right? But there's, so, there's a whole bunch of different herbs. Um, but as I said, a lot of these things, a lot of these herbs work because they are antioxidant effects. Okay. And I always say to everybody, an, anti, uh, an antioxidant, every antioxidant is anti-inflammatory. Okay, mm-hmm. but not every anti-inflammatory is an antioxidant. Aha! Uh-huh. Right, mm-hmm. because there are other things. For example, um, one of the things that causes inflammation is um, histamines. Yes. Right, mm-hmm. and one of the cells that pump out histamine in the body is called the mast cells. So, for example, people who have allergies, the mast cells are the things that pump out histamine. Okay. If you can stabilize your 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 mast cells, meaning that they don't break apart. Right, with a certain with any kind of medications or drugs, that in itself is an anti-inflammatory. Okay, right? because you help you you help to stop the inflammation response. Okay, 
okay, right? And it, but the, the method of action is not is not inhibiting a free radical. Hence, it is not an antioxidant effect. Fantastic. Did I get lost in it? Lost no, 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 one? no. But you know, you've, you've hit us with so much valuable information. I think we need to take a break. That's, that's all the time that I have to digest all the information today. But you'll come back again next month, right? Definitely. Fantastic. Thank you for having me again, Jamie. We've got to take a short break, but we'll be right back on The Tonic. The Tonic is brought to you by Purely Natural. Their Liquid Greens Chlorophyll is the only line of soluble, grit-free, and great-tasting greens on the market. Liquid Greens can easily be mixed with your favorite drink to provide a sustained, natural boost of energy to help you get through your day. There's Unflavored, which is great with orange juice. The mint flavor is cool and refreshing. Dark chocolate has all the health benefits of a salad, but with a great chocolate taste. And for that extra detox boost, try activated charcoal and mint. Enjoy the energy. Enjoy the detox. Enjoy the great taste. Purely natural, liquid greens. The Big Carrot is a worker-owned natural food market that's been committed to local, organic, non-GMO, and sustainable food systems since 1983. They're a one-stop shop offering produce, grocery, bulk, body care, and holistic dispensary. The juice and smoothie bars and kitchens serve up hundreds of healthy dishes and drinks daily. Building community is at the core of their vision, which they deliver through education, outreach, and giving. They want everyone to share in the goodness they offer. Visit their website for more information at thebigcarrot.ca. You're listening to The Tonic on Sumer Radio. Megan Horsley is a registered holistic nutritionist, blog writer, and recipe developer. She's passionate about helping her clients discover their best selves with a holistic approach to their well-being with delicious food, movement, and thoughts. Megan loves witnessing the transformations that unfold. She's a knowledgeable and entertaining writer, and in the latest issue of Tonic, she wrote a great article on food swaps to give you more energy. Welcome back to the show. Hey, Jamie. How's it going? Uh, it's going well. My energy is up right now. Yes, it is. We but, just <laughs> Yeah, but, but not everybody's. Yeah, we had a little discussion before the show. And a lot of people think that sugar is the answer. When they're, when they're feeling that lull in the afternoon, they grab a candy bar, they grab something sweet to give them a rush. Yes. But that doesn't really help with energy, does it? No. And here's the thing. I love sugar as much as the next person. I will, you know, honestly uh, let, that out of the, let that out of the bag, even as a nutritionist. But... When you know more about the negative effects of it, um, you really have to find other options. Um, And so the thing with sugar rushes is that when you have sugar, let's say you run into a coffee shop uh, on your lunch break and you grab a cookie, you get a sugar rush, right? right? And that's what you're looking for. You're looking for that blood sugar spike. It's going to perk you up. But as we know, with all highs come the lows. So you're going to have that drop in blood sugar. And And then what do you do? You eat more sugar. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, but truly, that's but what happens. that's what happens. It's yeah. a vicious cycle, right? Yeah. So you're constantly looking for these stimulants. And really, at the end of the day, you're, you're, not, um, you're not benefiting from a sustained energy, right? Because you're not getting your energy from good sources. So ultimately, this is, the, the issue comes down to refined sugar, right? And having right. high amounts of refined sugar in your diet. And... Oftentimes, it's very interesting, the reasons why we crave sugar and salt, for that matter, is because um, our bodies require sugar and salt to function properly. And it may sound a little funny, but 
when we're going through flight or fight, and we've talked about this before, yeah. which is the basically the stress response, cortisol gets spiked. And what that means is that you're throwing sugar into your bloodstream. So you have glycogen stores coming out into your bloodstream, and this is giving you that perk of energy. Same thing with the with the cortisol response is we have a need for more salt, right? And this has to do with blood pressure. Right. Right? You following me now? I am. So when we crave sugar and salt, it's because our body is trying to balance out and figure out our stress response so that we actually have energy to deal with whatever the stressful situation is. Right. So now that we know that we can expect these cravings, we have to make sure we put better sources of nutrients in front of us. So, so, okay. So I know, I know you're not saying don't have any sugar. What you're saying is don't have refined sugar, but there has to be replacements. And, and, and what do you propose to put in the place of the chocolate bar or the cookie or the snack food that everybody's grabbing? Right. Um, Ultimately you want to choose whole foods. Okay. Right. It's so simple. Um, yeah, but what's but they have, to know, have some sweet I, element, yeah, though, right? You know, you, you cannot swap out kale for candy right. bars. I mean, Jamie, you could do. just you use could. whole food, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so go chew on a carrot. Yeah. yeah. Um, no. So basically, you want to have foods that are the least processed, right? And you can still enjoy some sweet foods that are less processed than, let's say, a candy bar or a cookie from a cafe or whatever. Right. So the unfortunate thing is that you know refined sugar can be found in a lot of packaged foods, which is why I say go for the whole food sources. You can easily check ingredients lists if you if you don't want to necessarily snack on an apple and some almond butter for right. that sustained energy. But thankfully, we're in a day and age where you can get a lot of sweeter, healthier treats that use unrefined sugars like dates and maple syrup and honey, right? Or right. even plant-based sugar-free sources like stevia and monk fruit sweetener, right? These are okay. these are definitely growing in the industry too. So are you just saying just look for the nature of the sweetener? Like in other words, instead of fructose or, or whatever, you know, like you're you're basically replacing it with one of these inputs. Is that is that is it as simple as that? It yes and no, right? Like replacing replacing the refined sugar absolutely with one of these sources I just mentioned. Right. But you also want to make sure that you're you're not overloading it, right? So um the nice thing about about these sweeteners is that they have other nutrients in them okay. that are going to help your body with the stress response, that are going to give you sustained energy because of additional fiber and fat, right? So if yep. we look at, let's say, an energy ball, for example, because this is one of my favorite sweet treats to, to have. Right. Um, you're getting dates in there, which is, again, unrefined. You've got some fiber, which is yep. really good for gut health, right? I, I put dates in my oatmeal. Like, I, 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 I put no sweetener in my oatmeal. Because you, you, we discuss this. I have oatmeal, like, virtually every morning for breakfast. Yes. But I make it with dates instead of other sugars. And it's perfectly Perfect. fine, right? Okay, yeah. what else do you put in there? In the oatmeal? Yeah. Uh, skim milk, cinnamon, salt. That is it. And then I will have it with fresh fruit and a coffee. That's breakfast. Amazing. That sounds great. Yeah. yeah. Well, it is great. great. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know what I'm doing. I didn't, I didn't get this gig by you know being a, 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 a doom cough. You know. <laughs> Tell me more about the energy balls. What yeah. are they? Uh, so, again, you can, you can put whatever you want in them, um, but they're bite-sized and small. 
Yep. Put them in your pocket, put them in your knapsack. Good for kids too. If you're going to take them to school, yep. right, make sure you're using seeds instead of nuts. Yep. Very important here. Do you have recipes online? That- Absolutely. So I have a few recipes on my website. I have some turmeric um, cashew energy balls. Yep. Uh, I've got some matcha energy balls, a really good hazelnut chocolate. But the nice thing is that you're not going to deal with that sugar high with these. Okay. Now, we mentioned salt before. Uh, Do you have a swap out for those who like the potato chips and the pretzels? (laughs) Yes, definitely. Uh, So some of my favorite alternatives are seaweed snacks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's okay. I was expecting like an eye roll or something. Well, but they can't see the eye roll. So so they get the, yeah, (laughs) you know, I I hear you. And I I see the kids chomping on the nori and I feel like they're only doing it. You do though, right? Yeah, yeah, I know. But I I feel like they're only doing it because their parents are watching them. (laughs) (laughs) I've never been a nori guy. So mind you, I'm not, salt isn't my thing. Okay. So it's. So your thing is more the sweets. Yeah. Although sometimes I just like, Peanuts, like, you know, okay. like, which it's a yin yang thing. You know, there's some good to peanuts, but not exactly, you know, they're, they're pretty high fat and, you know, they're hard to digest, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. But it's better. Than, I, I believe in my heart they're better than a potato chip, but probably not much better. Okay. So other than the nori, what like kale, kale chips, right? Kale Is that chips. where we're going? We're going, for kale we're, we're going for the kale chips, but we're also going because again, another little side glance there. We're also going for other options now. Again, right. We are so lucky. So we have bean chips these days. We have cassava chips these yep. days. Um, the, sweet so the, root, chips, the root vegetable the root chips. Root vegetables right? with, with yeah. the beets, right? Yeah. So good. And they're cooked in better fats than what you typically see, which would be canola oil or soybean oil. Right. Right. And so, again, those are, are two of Canada's you know major exports, and they're also heavily genetically modified, uh, which we've talked about in another episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jump back to last October. You'll hear all about GMOs. Um, But um, basically, these are better options because they're cooked with more stable fats, right? So we're seeing more avocado oil use now, which which is fantastic. Um, Not cheap, but better for you. No, but I mean, you're not going to be having chips on a daily basis, right? Some people do, though. Right. And I would... Say don't. Say maybe don't, but I'm yeah. not saying don't have them at all. And and is making kale chips a chore or is it pretty straightforward? It can be pretty simple, but you can also buy them these days. Yeah. Yeah. They're all over the place. What do you do? Do you buy them or do you make them? I make them. I think it's simple enough. You need one bunch of kale. You have to make sure they're they're really dry though, otherwise you get steamed kale from the oven, which is not <laughs> Yeah. Not and the certain same kales actually hold up better than others. Like the lacinato, the the oh, dinosaur that one, the dinosaur, the, kale. dinosaur kale, which is the really dark green one that you see. Yeah. And a lot of people I grow it in the garden as well. It really holds up to drying. Yeah, it's really good. And some people like to actually add in um, ground up cashews for more of a like a thicker coating. Yeah. If you're into more of the cheesy kind of Yeah, pretend cheese. Chips. I don't know. Yeah. for the pretend <laughs> cheese. Yeah. Well, you can put Parmesan, right? Like if you're okay with cheese, yeah. put Parmesan on. Or, I am okay with cheese. Yeah, there you go. All right. So other people, some people do sugar, some do salt, and others do caffeine. Mm-hmm. So let's finish up with caffeine. Yep. That's huge this time of year, right? Again, we're talking about routine today and coming back to routine and using easy swaps. And so coffee is 
coffee, coffee in and of itself isn't bad, is it? No, like coffee isn't bad. But again, it's always with the overconsumption, right? And so yeah. if you're struggling to get out of bed because your alarm's going off at whatever, five, six in the morning every yeah. day, and you, you just came back from vacation and, you know, it sucks, <laughs> you're yeah. going to go for the coffee. As we talked about earlier with sugar, right? Like the issue here has to do with cortisol levels. Yeah. And if you keep going for the stimulants, if you keep going for caffeine, you're going to mess up your sleep cycle. Yep. And then ultimately you're feeling like crap every day because right. you're not getting enough rest. Right? And, and some people metabolize caffeine differently. So even if you're cutting yourself off, let's say after dinner, the caffeine in your system, maybe you're the type of person that even if you had it in the afternoon, it's still going to impact your sleep patterns. Yep. It usually stays in the body for about 10 hours. Right. Right. And so a general rule that I have with my clients is try not to have it beyond noon. Right. Right. So are you a matcha girl? Is that, is that where we're going with it? I, you know, go through phases. Right now, I'm actually really enjoying these drink blends. Um, so I, I will either make my own or I'll buy them. And there's one company I really like, and it's called Harmonic Arts. And so they have this one coffee replacement. It's called Kickstart. And uh, it has chaga mushroom in it, which is, yeah. which is awesome because it's immune boosting. So really good for um, this time of year for getting sick. Um, and it has cacao and maca as well. Hormone balancing. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have. But you'll come back next month? Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Jamie. Fantastic. We've got to take a short break, but we'll be right back on The Tonic. It's new. It's powerful. It's the next generation. It's Purica Recovery 3.0 a new formulation for inflammation relief and healing that brings together the strength of the original Purica Recovery with the rapid relief of Purica Curcumin 30% BDMC. It's a powerful antioxidant, anti-inflammatory, and immunity optimizer all in one. It works by repairing the damage and relieving the stress that's at the root cause of pain. It's Purica Recovery 3.0, and it's coming soon from Purica. For more information, visit Purica.com. Did you know that you and your company can make an impact in the community by simply ordering lunch? Big or small, it's now possible for companies that require catering services all across the GTA to give back effortlessly. Thanks to a unique partnership bringing together a local caterer, Chef's Catering, and Red Door Family Shelter. For every meal ordered from the Red Door special menu, one meal is given back to the women and children seeking refuge at Red Door. Visit chefscatering.ca to discover the menu and support your community. The Zoomer Show, Canada's largest expo for living well, is back at the Entercare Centre in Toronto on October 26th and 27th. There's hundreds of exhibitors, the latest trends in health, fitness, food, and travel. And there's live music, too. Plus, there's an expert panel on medical cannabis hosted by me, Jamie Busson, and a special appearance by hockey legend Wendell Clark. The Zoomer Show, presented by Chip Reverse Mortgage. You can visit zoomershow.ca and enter promo code TONIC to get tickets for only $10. That's zoomershow.ca, promo code T-O-N-I-C. The Zoomer Show. Live longer, live better. This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. My next guest, Matt Rosenblatt, is a partner in Cityscape Development Corp. He owns and operates the Boiler House, Pure Spirits, Oyster Bar and Grill, Arceo Trattoria, Il Catrin Distilleria, Clooney Bistro, and what's the new one? Madrina Taperia. And he's one of the creators of the hugely successful Christmas market and the Toronto Light Festival in the Distillery District. He's also a repeat attendee at the Burning Man Festival in the heart of the Nevada desert. Welcome back to The Tonic. Thank you for having me. 
So I gave you this big lead-in. It's a big lead-in. It's a big lead-in because it's a big topic. I've been very interested in Burning Man since you've told me about it, since you know, you've know you gone three times now? I have gone three times. Three times. So for those who don't know, what is Burning Man? Well, it's simply a festival in the middle of a desert with the closest city being about four hours away. The festival is unlike anything I've done in my life. I get to travel, luckily, all around the world, get to go to famous places and hidden places. But this place is really a community that's created by its participants, about 80,000 of them, where they create art and community, and the people are the art, and the way that they act are the art. And, of course, you're surrounded by things that people have heard of, such as sculptures and music and activities. And various sorts of installations that are experiential, right? A hundred percent. But, like, nothing exists in this spot in the world, which is a desert in Nevada, save and except for this event. Like, when the event's over, there's nothing there, right? Exactly. It is created from out of dust. It is a working city of, I think, 60 miles of roadways plus hundreds and hundreds of acres or more of areas where people can ride around on bikes and have parties and see massive light installations. And then when it's all undone, every last drop of water, cigarette butts, it's all gone, disappears, it's an eco-friendly event, and the desert is returned to its pristine state. And that may be the most amazing fact of all, that it's essentially a pop-up city of 80,000 that exists for how long? How many weeks does it run? It's one week. Oh, it's only one week? Mm-hmm. But there must be plans, like people must get there ahead of time to, to do there the installations, is. There's, there's, right? a, there's a massive organization that spends a lot of time planning for the uh, very large jobs of surveying the roadways, building the very large structures that eventually, as people have heard, that burn, require months of planning, and people get there in advance to do those things. And then there's uh, different levels of different groups of people that get there early to do the things they need to do to make this happen for the greater community. So why does this event occur? Like, what's the idea behind it or ideas behind it, sort of the philosophy and worldview of the event. I mean, simply put, it's about people getting together to do the things that they want to do with their time, with people that they want to do it with, to create both meaning to be creative and to create community and to be inspired by other people and inspire other people and just do it together. So not everybody there is equally creative or necessarily considers themselves in the creative class, but the raison d'etre of the event is it's basically people doing. Like They aren't just thinking about it. They're doing these huge, massive installations and expressing themselves, right? Right. That, I mean, the, the art or the music is sort of the manifestation of what is happening inside people, people trying to push out ideas right. uh, through the art. Most people go there either consciously or subconsciously to create actually themselves. So why, why do you go out, for example? I go there to find out things I don't know about myself, to be open-minded. You know, if uh, my life is a sculpture and I'm a sculptor, there I'm surrounded by 80,000 other sculptors. I learn and watch uh, what they do with their lives. I listen. And when you come out of it, you just come out of it a different person, even though you have no idea how what's going to happen when you go in. You come out differently. So what have you learned about yourself by being there? Well, I think the most important thing is that I have one life. You have, as I did a sculpture this year, yeah. you have 29,995 days to figure out your puzzle. And each day, sort of tick-tock, uh, the things that you know deep down inside that you should be doing that you delay and make excuses for to go into those excuses, find out why you're making them, 
and uh, create a better life for yourself because you can do it because you're the captain of your own ship and you can create the life that you want to create there at Burning Man is sort of a, a utopian uh, world where people do it for a week, but you can take those principles back into your own life and to the life around you and make it better. So what sort of things did you feel like you, you weren't doing that you wanted to do that as a result of Burning Man you're now doing? Like, how has it affected your life? I think, as everyone probably thinks, that they're in my particular life. You know, I think I'm trying to make the best life I can around me, try to make it beautiful through my work, through my relationships. And and I think I got lost somewhere in my own self-advocacy uh, within that and watching people who are sort of better at both doing the giving and the beautiful side, but seeing themselves and making sure that they're part of that equation. I think that was really good for me. So I, I don't want to stop the good stuff. I just want to find myself in there as well and uh, find balance. So I think an outsider looking at it, if you saw news reports or if you happen to go online and see sort of videos or imagery from the event might come away with sort of a perhaps negatively skewed idea of what might be going on there. And, you know, there's lots of people in various stages of undress. There appears to be some psychedelic drug use. It appears that it's like very dusty and gritty and hot there. What are some of the misconceptions and what are some of the conceptions about the event? So most of the misconceptions are true. There is, there, <laughs> so they're not misconceptions. But, but, but they're taken out of context. Okay. So there, there is art. There is music. There are crazy people dressed up uh, doing crazy things. There is a lot of drug use. But all these things put together when you have 80,000 people being creative and being beautiful to each other, to the planet, being mindful, being present the expansiveness of it all. Um, when you look at it from a picture or on a video, it's quite two-dimensional. But when you're part of the experience and you are able to feel the beauty and see how it all works together, it's an entirely different experience, one that really one day, if anyone is interested, should be experienced. It's beautiful. Uh, you can choose to do what you want to do. There is no such thing as peer pressure there. People support you to do what is right for you. And the experience... At every moment, there's 500 different things to do, and which doors you choose to open, open more doors, and that Burning Man experience becomes only yours. So were there things that you could have done at Burning Man that you didn't do that you regret? Were there opportunities that came and passed? I try both in my life and at Burning Man to uh, stay pretty much in the present moment. So right. what I'm doing is my life. Every sort of So no regrets? No regrets. I mean, there, there, you haven't I'm, missed out on anything, right? I don't have that FOMO thing. There are things that I had <laughs> on my sort of to-do list, but right. if you don't follow to-do list. You sort of surf waves there. And if you have the ability to make each moment uh, beautiful, and then you're just where you are making that moment beautiful, what would there be to regret? So that's what we try to do, or that's at least what I try to do. Be happy with where I am, with who I am in a beautiful area, be appreciative of my life that I'm able to experience this. And it's hard to uh, look back and regret when that's all happening. Right. And I know people that go there, they feel compelled to contribute. I know the first year you went there, you went there, I wouldn't say as an observer, but you didn't do your own installation, but you have done in your in, in subsequent years, right? Sure. So one of the principles of Burning Man is uh, community. So the idea of either volunteering into that Burning Man community, there's mail service there, there is ice service there, you can uh, be part of safety or I mean, there's, there's a million ways of participating. I uh, created a piece of art last year 
Uh, this year, I created a new piece of art. Did you set them on fire, or did uh, they? Did mine they... are made of uh, two thousand pounds worth of steel. They are not flammable. You could torch them, and they will still stand. Do people uh, use those installations over and over? Like, would you bring that installation back, or where is it being housed now? That's right now in California. It will find a place probably in another city in a public space. So they, the ones that uh, are temporary often burn. Right. And the ones that are uh, engineered for permanent installs are usually placed in other public spaces around the world. Are you going to be bringing any of your installations up to Toronto for the distillery? There is a, a light festival happening in Toronto, that w- which we produce at the distillery district. One of my uh, sculptures will be there with about 30 others from around the world. I'm excited to show it. If people are interested in finding more about Burning Man, what resource would you send them to? I would go to uh, Burning Man Org. It has a plethora of information just about what it is, how to get there. There's uh, Toronto contacts. There's people to help you. Uh, The people who've been to Burning Man are always more than welcome to share their information of how to get there and what it meant for them. And if any of this resonates for a person inside of them, they should pursue the idea to see whether whether uh, this is something that they could love and possibly uh, slightly change the direction of their life. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have. That was perfect. Thank you. We've got to take a short break, but we'll be right back on The Tonic. Introducing the all-new Ketoplex line of intelligent ketogenic solutions, including MCT-8X by NuvoCare Health Sciences. Not only will it effectively transition your body into ketosis, the body's fat-burning state, it will also be your secret weapon to beat those uncomfortable side effects known as keto flu. Try the Ketoplex line of products with Nutrisentials Zen Energy to maximize your keto transformation. For more information as to where to get the Ketoplex line of products, including Whole Foods, please visit NuvoCare.ca. That's N-U-V-O-C-A-R-E.ca. Hi, this is Jamie Busson. I'm not only the host of the Tonic Talk Show, I'm also the publisher of Tonic Magazine. Tonic is a health and wellness magazine distributed with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in the most affluent neighborhoods in Toronto. It's also available free on racks at over 150 locations across the GTA. For more information about Tonic Magazine, visit tonictoronto.com. Hey, if you like the Tonic Talk Show, you'll love Tonic Magazine, and vice versa. Now that summer has given way to the 9 to 5 grind, Tabasco and Egg Farmers of Ontario have created delicious breakfast recipes for 7 days of eggs, showing Canadians how to shake up their workweek breakfasts. With 7 different sauces, it's easy to spice up a scramble or heighten the flavor of a ho-hum sandwich for different eggs every day of the week. To get you started, Tabasco and Egg Farmers of Ontario are giving away 5 prizes of $1,000 in groceries. Visit tabascosauce.ca for contest details and to find quick, delicious, and nutritious breakfast recipes, including some that are perfect for meal prepping for even the busiest of mornings. This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. Dina Marinuzzi was born and raised in Toronto's East End and came up in the restaurant industry the old-fashioned way, through nepotism. His cousin, restaurateur Giorana, hired him as a 15-year-old dishwasher and busser, and later gave him a shot as a waiter. Vito's job was as much to fight the prevailing whitewashed version of Italian food in Toronto as it was to get people to try the good stuff, and he did. Now, as a co-owner with his famous mum of two locations of seven numbers on the Danforth and Eglinton West, 
Vito knows the food his kitchens prepare not only preserve that culinary heritage, but innovate within it. Welcome back to the show, sir. Thank world, you. Good morning. World traveler out, out on the continent. <laughs> it's research. R and D. R and D. So what what have we found in southern Italy? They're uh, still they're still cooking with tomatoes and making pasta. Is they're not trying to reinvent the wheel. They're cooking what they know how to cook, and they're growing what they know how to grow, and eating it in season. And uh, sometimes it takes that because we've done the north and we've done the middle of Italy, and this year we did the south of Italy, and it kind of reminds you that they're doing exactly what they've always done. Yep. And that is grow and grow it and cook it. Yeah, we're going to be covering uh, the food of the Italian South or Southern Italy with Naomi. There's a cookbook she got by Katie Perla. So she, we're, we've been testing the food that you were eating for real. It's a great cookbook because it also goes to the history of why the yeah. food is. It's amazing. It's a beautiful cookbook, and we're going we're gonna to cover it in a different segment. <laughs> but we're here to talk about restaurant trends today because there's some things that are happening in the industry that people may or may not be aware of that are. it's going to impact uh, people's nights out. So I thought it would be interesting. So where do you want to start? You know, we could start about how expensive life is, but yeah. maybe we'll go somewhere nicer than that. Where do we want to start? I mean, the, the margin's getting tighter, but business still being good um, are two interesting things because it directly affects the diners, but the diners are still coming out because they're willing to pay for a higher quality item, um, uh, an eco uh, con- takeout container, a n- not a plastic straw. Like all these little things that are happening in the industry are costing us more to operate and then therefore costing you more to dine, but it seems to be working. Well, I think what's happening is people still are going to go out and, you know, you're you, even in a city like Toronto, your choices are limited. If you're going out, the vast majority of people are deciding to go out for dinner. Yeah, um, 100%. But maybe they're ordering differently than they used to. Maybe they're not ordering the big ticket items or maybe the different sorts of big ticket items. You would know I better mean, than I would. I, you it's, know. It's, it's pretty varied. I mean, yes. Um, our North Toronto restaurant sees a lot of regulars, and I would say, I would agree with you. I was, you know, they're out for dinner, and it's maybe the fourth or fifth time you've seen them this month, and yeah, I mean, they're not going to, they're going for uh, just a simple dinner, and they're not going for those big ticket items. And on Danforth, I see a lot of downtown, I see some tourists, and then that's where I see the varied mix, where the families come out, and they're having the family dinner, and then others come out, and they're coming for those big ticket items. So it's a bit all over the map. Um, I mean, the only thing I have seen is that Vegetables and fish, we are seeing a massive uptick. Um, but that, but that, has, that probably has more to do with people's diet decisions than... Yeah, I mean, than, that's part of it all. Right. Uh, those, those items aren't uh, less expensive. Right. You know, like an eggplant or a meatball costs less than a, a lobster tail or a shrimp. Right. Um, but there, we've never had more seafood on our menu. Um, and that's just driven by Joe Public. Like, it's, you know, we see it selling, we add another seafood item, it sells, and then we just keep... Kind of rolling with it. So what are you taking off the menu? What's coming off? Well, you know, like anything that's been long, slow, braised, kind of our traditional stuff in the summer. Really? Well, it comes off in the summer. No more sexy duck? Well, the duck slows down in sales. The meatballs slow down in sales. You know, things like osabuca aren't even on the menu. Uh, We have two fish on the menu. We have three salads that have seafood, you know, between an octopus, a shrimp, a squid. Um, And then our side orders are, it's got to be double. I mean, we must have 10, 8 to 10 sides because the farmers are still bringing us veg. The, the season seemed to start late, yeah. but it seems to have extended. Um, you know, we have, uh, we have romesco and purple cauliflower this week. We had um, local broccolini this week. So, like, it's still coming in, which is great. 
Yeah. Yeah. And that's what people, you're right. That's what people want, right? They want, yep. they want a more vegetable forward meal. It, it, it's easier for them to cobble together a dinner with some veg and it's actually better yeah. for them too. Well, right? yeah, you could, one pan dinners are the best and we did one last night, right? Yeah. Okay. So I think you mentioned a little bit before is there's people are looking cross-eyed at you if you're putting straws uh, in their drinks and you know, if you're doing takeout, you can't do the aluminum containers anymore. No, huh? those are pretty well disappeared and there's a cost increase on our end, which is probably, I mean, two to three hundred percent. Like it costs a lot. Oh, wow. Costs a lot more to get a brown eco um, made of sugar takeout container, and straws, the paper ones, cost more than the plastic, which is it's it's all fine. Yeah. But there's a, an increase that happens there, and my hope was that we would go to a no straw. We did go to a no straw, and then a straw on request. Are people requesting straws? Oh uh, yes. Why? Generally because they're wearing beautiful lipstick. Ah, I got it. They don't want to smudge the glass. <laughs> right. Um, but then there's drinks like a Caesar that kind of requires one. Yeah. And now we seem to have migrated to using A, paper straws, and B, putting a straw in every drink, which I don't think we're any further ahead. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know where this goes. Yeah, like when they charged us five cents for the bags, where people really stop using bags. Like, or, no, you just paid your five cents. You paid your five cents. Exactly. I don't know that we're actually helping the I don't environment. Think, I don't think we are. I think we're just, there's a movement and a lot of people making a lot of noise and then kind of it's just stagnant. We switched the item we're using. We're using paper. Right. But I don't know if anybody's really looking at it to see if it makes a world of difference, right? And, and the interesting thing you're saying, you know, people are, are more env- environmentally conscious, but a lot of the fish and seafood aren't necessarily environmentally sound. I, I, like a lot of them. A are- lot of it isn't. Uh, we all try our best, but I mean, do we really know the truth? No. Uh, if it's coming from a, a, you know, there are local shrimp. There are obviously yes. lobsters are local. Um, but yeah, but, I mean, I don't but know. But if you had to pass those costs on, people's eyes would bug out. Absolutely. Yeah. Right, like so, like the the sustainably caught fish, it is a hundred percent. When they say it is, and they can prove it, it is a hundred times better for the environment. However, you're paying for it. Oh yeah, we use a Fogo Island cod, and we use a um, an Inuit caught um, uh, turbot and uh, Arctic char. Uh, they're, I mean, they're really expensive. In mm. in in my opinion, yeah. Um, we charge for them. People love them, enjoy them. We sell lots of them, but a big jump. I mean. Do we sell more or less? I don't know. We, we'll know in a few months because we've only been using it for a few months. But the same thing with the straws and takeout containers. Like, there's no research saying that the using this much paper is better. No. Uh, well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, let's go off topic for a second. You know, everybody's stopping their shopping in retail places and they're buying everything online, which means it gets delivered to you in boxes. Yeah, with, talk about with, that footprint. With, with packaging. So, yeah, you're not driving to the mall to go buy things, but you're, I assure you, your garbage and your recycling are way fuller than they were 10 years ago with all this packaging. Oh, yeah, your Amazon box is full of uh, a styrofoam. It's full of yeah. uh, the air-filled plastic. It's yeah. another box in a box. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean... A huge box to deliver a small item. I, I shake my head at, you know, why is this happening? You know? I assume there's a cycle, and in five years, we're like, ah, probably yeah. shouldn't have done that. Yeah, you could be right. So one of the ways that restaurateurs are offsetting uh, their increased costs is to, you know... It, in addition to obviously having to raise prices to, to their customers, and you can only go so far that way, is to expand their brand. Uh, and that sometimes means opening up a second or third location and, 
you know, mom pa restaurants. And you're, yeah, I mean, you're, you're one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are even looking at that, right? I feel like that's become a new uh, marketing strategy. Like, not that it is, but inadvertently it is. Like, instead of spending money on advertising and uh, online, it's open another location. It uh, firms up your brand. Brand awareness goes through the roof, and there's probably a solid, you know, two year bump that happens, which actually is pretty good. Right. Uh, versus spending all of this time and energy trying to drag people into your restaurant. And, you, and you're in the midst of, of We're in the midst of building right? in Picton, yeah. I mean, it's a bit out of the city. A bit out of the city. It's very out of the city. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, we've lost uh, four staff to Picton. Uh, our first person, Jordan, one of our you know, oldest standing yeah. managers, I mean, he moved out there six, seven years ago. And I was, you know, I thought he was... Where, where is he going? Right. And then having gone out there a few times back then, and, and I've continued to go out there, I see that it's it's awesome and amazing, and there's a... Well, a lot of restaurateurs are out there already, Yeah, right? the gentrification's through the roof. I, I don't know how much the the locals love that part, but, I mean, they've made Prince Edward County for the better, for sure. Yeah. Uh, and, and we saw, I saw so many of our customers, and I heard from our, you know, ex-staffers that so many of our customers are going out there for day trips and weekends and vacations, so... Uh, two of our ex-staffers ended up uh, buying a building in Picton and then wanting to do an Italian restaurant as there isn't one out there. So we dragged out my mom and myself and we butted heads for a bit and then now here we are. So it looks like probably going to get open for November and uh, and the training of the, you know, Rose is going out there in a few weeks to train some chefs. So, so same menu, same good stuff? Yeah, we're going to stick, I mean, talk about like out there you're really local. Yeah. I mean, like full, full time. Yeah. I mean, there's meat purveyors, there's uh, vegetables, yeah. there's cheese, and it, you know the list of wines. It goes on and on and on. So I'm going to really try and I mean use our recipes and their produce and, and meats. Are you going? Are you moving out there? Are you, are you banning not, the city? I'm not moving out Is there. Is Rosa going out there? She uh, she loved it. I mean, she's been out a couple times now. She loved it. I don't know how long she'd last out there. She did find out recently there's a casino nearby, so I think she'll like it better now. <laughs> but uh, it's nice to visit. I love getting out of the city as the city's a grind. Um, but then I think after three, four days, you're like, oh, I need to go back to the city for a minute. Yeah, I'm a city boy. I mean, I, I like Prince Edward County. We, yeah. We've been going there for a while, and now it's on the way when I when I visit my daughter in school. Uh, it's on the it's on the drive. I think you speak for a large percentage of people that pop in at Prince Edward County. They're on their way to see their kids in Kingston or in Montreal, yeah, or Ottawa. And and so with this restaurant, so what goes in? Like, I guess you have to make some decisions. Is it is it going to be the same restaurant? Is it going to be similar? Like like and and how does that work with your brand? And and how. You know, how is that going to increase revenues by having that name out there, you know? Oh, I mean, I mean, I use a basic template to build a restaurant, and then it's always, they've always evolved to where each of them is today. There's lots of building that goes on. We're going to stick to our formula. We're not going to change it too much. And then... And then we, it just evolves. It gets to wherever it gets to. It'll have its own character and picked in for sure. The clientele will be the clientele. Food will be the food. And it just, it'll all happen. I mean, I feel it happens organically. And then from a brand perspective, it's great. I mean, they get out there and there's a million choices to eat, but they know this trusted Right, and they know brand. seven numbers because yeah, it's I mean, been in Toronto for years. The Drake did it. They, everybody yeah. trusted that brand, and, and rightfully so, and the Drake's great. So I think it's a little bit of that brand extension. And then they come home and they say, you know what, that one's great. Let's try this one. Let's try that one. My mom and I have a you know, major competition between the two, and that's good. Fantastic. Thank you for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. That's all the time we have. Thank you for listening to The Tonic. You can listen or download this episode as a podcast with full show notes and links at thetonic.ca. 
To find out more about the show, you can follow us on The Tonic Talk Show on Instagram or Facebook. For great articles written by Megan Horsley and other interesting writers, be sure to pick up your copy of Tonic Magazine. Tonic's available free on racks at over 200 locations across the GTA and delivered with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in 11 choice neighbourhoods in Toronto. Or you can visit our website at tonictoronto.com. If you're interested in providing feedback or suggesting topics for the show, you can email me at jamie at tonictoronto.com. Please join us next week on The Tonic when we'll discuss the ins and outs of blood sugar control, why we should care about flexibility and mobility, and dealing with homelessness in Toronto. Until then, this is Jamie Busson wishing you a healthy and happy week. Please consult a healthcare professional before starting any diet, exercise, supplementation, or medication program. This has been a paid announcement. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.